Welcome to Missionary Talks, where we talk with missionaries and learn about their lives and work. Today I'm talking with George Zaris. He is a missionary working in radio ministry. Brother Zaris, can you give us a little bit about yourself and then tell us how you got involved in the ministry you're in today? First of all, I was born in Chicago, Illinois, 1949. Uh, Unsafe family. We lived in the uh, poor part of Chicago, in the ghettos. And uh, back in 1956, we got a special gift for Christmas, which was a radio, just a big black radio with the knobs on the side. And uh, I was infatuated with that. And that year, there was a song that came out called Open Up Your Heart and Let the Sun Shine In. There was just something about that song that just touched my heart. It created a warm and fuzzy, and now I know as a child of God that the Holy Spirit was using that song to touch my heart, and I was responding to his, his light that he was giving. We moved out into the uh, Southside suburbs, and I had an uncle who was saved at a Billy Graham crusade at Soldier Field in 1959. He was Catholic in background, got saved, and got followed up into a conservative Baptist church where he began growing and more members of his family were getting saved. They invited my brother and I to go on Wednesday night to a stockade program, which is like a WANA program today. And uh, January 11th, 1961, as an 11-year-old boy, I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. My brother and I were saved the same same evening. And uh, after that, uh, God led us to First Baptist Church, Hammond, Indiana, where I grew as a Christian, got called to the ministry, went off to Tennessee Temple, uh, Walla Temple. My wife and I, my wife Barbara and I both uh, volunteered our time on WDYN-FM, Temple's radio station, and got involved with that. In 1972, uh, after graduating from uh, seminary, two-year seminary program at Temple, I went to Aurora, Illinois, western suburbs and started the Fox River Valley Baptist Church. God blessed our church. We were there 16 years. While there, we had a weekly radio program uh, for 16 years, and then for 15 years, we had daily devotions on the Country Western Station, and then also we had a daily five-minute program called Signs of the Times that was syndicated out to about 12 stations. So I always had involvement in radio. But also in 1980, uh, I got involved with Moral Majority and became the state chairman of Moral Majority of Illinois. Because of that involvement, I was on every major news show there was in Chicago and throughout Illinois, talk programs on radio and TV. And in 1988... I was convinced that God wanted me to resign my church. Uh, It started 16 years earlier and get involved in Christian radio. So I did do that the summer of 1988 and uh, began exploring uh, getting Christian radio stations because we wanted to develop Christian radio stations in the United States. God opened the door in 1992 to Louisville, Kentucky, and we got our first radio station there. WXLN 1570 AM, and we used radio to win people to the Lord. Uh, We also used radio twice 
to combat uh, casino gambling that they were trying to bring into uh, southern Indiana. Uh, two different battles we had where they had budgets, and I say they, the mafia-type people, had budgets of $2 million. But we broadcast to the Christian community, raised funds to do uh, TV advertising, and were able to beat them off in two elections. The first one, we had 54%. They had 46 The second one, 57%, and they had 43%. So we obviously saw the power and the effectiveness of Christian radio, not just in winning people to Christ, not just in building Christians and stabilizing them, but also in affecting the attitudes of the community because we were able to defeat uh, casino gambling twice. Well, back about uh, seven years ago, uh, God, through, again, a number of situations, said it was time to sell off those radio stations. We had five radio stations in and around Louisville, Kentucky, three AMs, two FMs, and uh, had the number one station. Our FM station was the number one Christian station in the market. We were reaching about 75,000 people a week through our radio stations, and God said to sell them and take it to the world. And that's literally what he wanted us to do, is take it to the world. So about seven years ago, we started Christian Radio International. The purpose of Christian Radio International is to use radio, TV, internet, satellite, cable, every every form of mass media that we possibly can, to get the gospel to as many people as possible. We uh, work with pastors in the United States, with missionaries overseas, and with national pastors overseas uh, to use radio or TV. Uh, Then we also build Christian radio stations, and soon we'll begin building Christian TV stations in different countries. So God has opened up just wonderful doors of opportunity uh, to reach millions of people. Today, the preachers that we've worked with that I call our programmers, we've helped them get on radio and TV, and the radio stations that we've built thus far, uh, we have a potential audience of 425 million people throughout the world. Our goal is to get to as a billion people as soon as possible to get them exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is it that you're doing with the ministry then to enable these pastors and nationals to have radio stations? What specifically is it that that Christian Radio International does? Well, when I visit with uh, pastors, because I'm always out raising funds, I'm I'm constantly, I call it begging for Jesus, and it's really begging for the lost of the world. but when we get with pastors, we, we, I always try to encourage pastors to use radio in their local community, in the states or overseas. Um, then if, if they're really interested in it, we sit down, we, we lay out a program plan, show them how to do it. We currently have a project where we're working with Reformers Unanimous, RU out of Rockford, and we're going to put together a weekly radio program for RU that we can syndicate not only in the United States but around the world uh, to use it. And it'll be very much similar to Unshackled, put out by Pacific Garden Mission. Uh, The only difference is it won't be a dramatized presentation. It will be actually the personal testimony of the individual 
whose life has been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we, we try to work with them in that respect in, in getting on the air. Now, if possible, in large population areas, and we try to set a goal of at least a million people uh, in an area when we're working with, with uh, pastors, missionaries or national pastors, uh, we try to get into an area of a million or more million or more people to build a Christian radio station. And we built radio stations. Um, our first big station was in Baghdad, Iraq, and that was four and a half years ago. Uh, God allowed the station to go on in March of 06, and that radio station in Baghdad, Iraq, is now uh, has now one million plus listeners a day tuned into the station. As far as I can figure, it is the number one listened to radio station in all of Iraq, broadcast primarily in the Arabic language. The programming is uh, is produced by Iraqis for Iraqis, and uh, it it has won awards. The station was on the air six months, and Pastor Meher, who's the pastor of the New Testament Baptist Church in Baghdad, Iraq, he oversees the project, and uh, that station was awarded as one of the top eight radio stations in the entire country. Pastor Meher was sent all expenses paid by the Iraqi government to Paris, France, in the spring of 07 to the International Radio Convention put on by the UN, but he was sent to represent the country of Iraq, which is a Muslim country. But here he is, an independent Baptist Iraqi pastor sent running a Christian radio station to represent the country of Iraq. So it was really exciting. It really was. Uh, so there we, we build stations. We've built stations. Uh, we have two stations currently in Iraq. We uh, put a station on six months ago in Basra in the south. Now, Baghdad is 45 minutes away from ancient Babylon. Basra is the area of Ur, the Chaldees, where Abraham came from. And then we have a third station that we have a license. We have the money raised. We're just looking for a location to put our radio station into in Mosul, Iraq, in the north. And Mosul is ancient Nineveh. So we're going to arise and go to Nineveh just like Jonah did. And we're praying that the whole city will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, we put stations up in the Philippines, in the Marshall Islands, uh, a couple stations in Africa. We have projects coming up in Argentina, Mexico, uh, India, about seven or eight more stations in Africa, TV stations opening up. Uh, the Lord is literally opening up the world to Christian Radio International and an opportunity to reach millions of people with the gospel. You're in Argentina with me right now. What is it you're accomplishing on this trip? Are you actually installing a radio station, getting information? Are you helping with legal type things? What is it exactly you're doing on this trip in comparison to other trips? Gene Sharp is with me on this trip, and Gene is a partner in ministry with uh, Independent Baptist Media, IBM. He's the techie side of, of the program. Uh, I am not technically 
I am technically challenged is what I am. But we are here in Argentina uh, for a couple different projects. In La Plata, we're looking at a possibility of uh, building an FM radio station. Uh, if we can work with the Christian gentleman that owns the rights to the station and we can work out some kind of an agreement, uh, we will raise funds and build an FM radio station in La Plata to reach at least a million people in this area of the country. Then later on this week, we'll be flying north and going to Tucumán and working with missionaries uh, Larry Owens and Brian George, who actually have a radio station, an FM radio station that they've acquired that is off the air because it's interfering with uh, communications at their local airport. So we'll be going there to, to ascertain what they have, what they need, so that we can go back to the United States and raise the funds, get the equipment, and come back and help and get them on the air reaching a couple million people in that part of the world. Uh, so it's it's more of a what we call an exploratory project that we're in the country uh, right now, but it's, Lord willing, going to manifest itself in millions of people being exposed to the gospel. You talked about helping pastors get the vision of getting on a radio station. What if a pastor is not able to or, or doesn't really sense the need to have his own radio station broadcasting out of the church? What if he just wants to get started into this? What would you recommend him do? Well, what what I do in the United States and and even would encourage overseas, if they don't have any money, a lot of pastors don't have money. You know, money controls a whole lot of stuff. Uh, I encourage them to do what we did in Aurora when I pastored there. And uh, I actually talked with the owner of the radio station and uh, talked him into allowing us to have a morning and evening devotion. And so my assistant pastor and I for 15 years provided a fresh morning and evening devotion uh, from the Word of God, and we, we would lay a bed of music down, as we call it in the industry. We'd play some instrumental music under what we were, and we would read some scripture and talk about it for a minute and a half to two and a half minutes. That'd be the morning and evening devotion. So we had the opportunity to become, quote, the radio pastor of that radio station. So I've encouraged uh, pastors all over the United States to do that type of project. And if they get feedback negative from the owner or the manager of the station that they can call me and I can explain to the manager or owner why this would be beneficial to his radio station whether it's a ours was a country station a rock station a news station I really don't care because I want to minister to as many people as I possibly can so we try to encourage them to do that sometimes we help missionaries or national pastors get on the radio and we help underwrite their program. Uh, Kevin Wynn is on the air in Mexico City preaching to a potential audience of 40 to 50 million people. Actual audience, 3 to 4 million people every Sunday morning and tens of thousands of Mexicans have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through his program. Brother Luis Ramos, who is also in Mexico, in San Luis Potosi, uh, is a good friend of mine also. I got him on the air. He's on Thursday night at 10 o'clock, which is a weird time, but it's a great time because he can get the gospel out. I went to preach for him a few years ago. 
my wife and I were delayed in Mexico City for our connection to San Luis Potosí, so we couldn't do the program with him on that Thursday night. We were hoping to get in in time and go do the program. He did the program that week, that specific week, and offered free Bibles to any family that called up. Uh, he had four families call up on Thursday night. On Saturday morning, he distributed the, the four individual Bibles to four different soul-winning teams in his church because uh, they meet on, on Saturday at the church and gave the names and the phone numbers, addresses. On Sunday morning, four families, not individuals, four families walked the aisle professing their faith in Jesus Christ. As a result of that one radio program, he had four new families in his church. Uh, I talked to Brother Ramos a couple years ago, and he was all excited. He said, Brother Zaris, I have a, I have a radio story I want to tell you about. He had done his program Thursday night. Friday morning, he gets a call from one of the radio listeners. He picks up the phone, and the gentleman at the other end says, Pastor, you don't know me, but I listen to your radio program every Thursday night, and I can tell that you are a man of faith. He said, I'm the chancellor of the local university, and I would like to know if you would come and share your faith with our students. Now, as Paul Harvey would say the rest of the story is, he was the chancellor of the local Jesuit Catholic University, which is the largest Jesuit Catholic university in all of Spanish-speaking America. And uh, Brother Ramos and his assistant both, they've been there twice now, have been able to speak and give the gospel to these students at the largest Jesuit Catholic university in Spanish-speaking America. So radio is just powerful. It, it is a, it's an opportunity to reach people that would never probably step into the doors initially into a local Baptist church. But they get saved and their lives get transformed. And, and, and it's just a powerful tool. Is, is there a testimony or a story you'd like to share about how radio has been impactful outside of the ones you've already shared? Well, there, I, I could go on all, all day with that. I think one of, the, one of the neatest stories is about our station in Monrovia, Liberia. We put the station on in uh, October of 06, and we're not able to get there until about a year and a half later to do the actual formal dedication of the service uh, of the station. We, uh, for, for the dedication and the ribbon cutting and everything, we were hoping that the president would come, but her assistant was taking the gifts that were sent and the invitations and pocketing them for himself. She found out about that later and was not happy. But uh, we did have a government official come a big, tall, handsome, uh, black gentleman who was the Minister of Information, Tourism, and Culture. Now, he had three titles because this is a very poor country, and he had to wear three hats. Uh, Lawrence Broplay is, is, is the gentleman's name. And so we were having the dedication service live on the radio from the uh, sanctuary of the Harvest Baptist Church, and so other people had come and spoken and sung, and now it was this government official's turn to come and speak. Well, I'm from Chicago, and, you know, if, if there's anything Chicago is known for is politics. 
And, uh, you know, I'd been involved in moral majority, and I'll be honest with you, as the gentleman came up to the pulpit to speak, I expected a typical Chicago politician, you know, we're so glad to be here today. We're glad for Liberty Radio. It's a contribution to, you know, our society, blah, 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 you know, typical. But that's not what happened. This man walked up to the pulpit about 6'6", grabbed a hold of the sides of the pulpit, and he did, as they say down south, he commenced preaching. And for 15 minutes over the radio to the 500 people that were there, he preached on why Liberia needs more Christian radio stations like Liberty Radio. And it would be exactly what their country needs to transform their country. I couldn't believe it. He got done preaching. He turned around and faced the pastor, Brother Dan Demi, national pastor of the Harvest Baptist and also overseer of Liberty Radio. And he said, Brother Demi, before God, before the radio audience and the congregation here today, I want to make this, I want to say that Liberty Radio is my favorite radio station. I love this radio station. And as I get paid over the next 12 months, every time I get a paycheck, I'm going to send a contribution, a gift to Liberty Radio to help to keep it on the air. Well, I'm going to tell you, I nearly fell out of my seat. First of all, the guy preaches, and I never expected that. Secondly, a politician promises to give money that is his and not the other people's money. And the third thing is, he actually did, over the next 12 months, give a contribution every month to Liberty Radio. Now, Dr. Lawrence Broplay has a weekly radio program where he preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ on Liberty Radio. As we close, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners? Well, I I would like for them to pray. I mean, obviously, we always need funds for Christian Radio International, and uh, they can get a hold of me at George A. Zaris, and that's Z like zebra, A-R-R-I-S, at yahoo.com. And uh, so funds are always needed for that. We use our monthly funds to underwrite the stations that we send monthly support for to keep them on the air, because in several of these countries, we, we can't sell advertising realistically. You can't sell it in, in Baghdad to Muslims on a Christian radio station. Now, there may be a time when we're able to do that, and if that's so, we will do it. Um, the other thing is, you know, God has got to call people into, into the harvest. I have been to over 60 countries, and I'm convinced more today than ever that God wants this world saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we have needs of people who will come and operate Christian radio stations in foreign countries so that maybe the pastor or the the, nat, uh, the national pastor doesn't have to get tangled up in it. Uh, we have an opportunity right now in, in, in Africa that I wish I had a manager for, preferably somebody middle-aged, somebody who may have got a 20-year pension from the armed forces or from some work where they have money already coming in. They don't have to raise vast amounts of monies to go and be a missionary. 
Maybe their kids are, are grown so that they're able, a husband and wife are able to go off. Uh, we have an opportunity that's just unbelievable right now in Africa for that. But there, there are people out, I know, listening to this that I wish that God would call and that they would respond to getting involved in this project. We can reach the world. And, and I preach a message on what in the world is going on. The reality is in many parts of the world, we as Christians are doing a great job through the power of the Holy Spirit in reaching the world for Jesus Christ. It is happening, but we need more laborers and we definitely need more money to do the work for God. You've been listening to Missionary Talks with David Peach. Please visit us at missionarytalks.com.